0: welcome to bangalore revival center here we dream revival and serve people with love do listen to today's teaching from romans 10 as pastor priji continues to teach from the gospel according to paul series on how salvation is for everyone and it is very close at hand we are in romans chapter 10 We are about to finish the book of Romans in the next, uh, not the whole book, but the study of the book of Romans in the next couple of weeks. And then uh, we will transition into something else uh, for the coming year. Let's go into Romans chapter 10. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Do you remember this was the same note that he was on in chapter 9? He was explaining how he is willing to be even cut off from Christ if that means that the nation of Israel can be saved. Even though the nation of Israel is not his assignment, he's praying, he has this deep longing, deep desire to see the nation of Israel saved. And he says, this is my longing. This is my prayer. Some of us, we long for certain things, but we don't pray for those things. Some of us, we pray for certain things, but there is no heartfelt desire for those things. So here is a man who's saying, my desire and my prayer is in alignment. My, my hunger and my action. You know, prayer is what you do about that hunger. You know, when you, uh, when you go and put an offering, it is... That you you are doing something about what God has done in the inside of you. You you put that into action. There is it's not just you saying oh I'm so thankful to the Lord, but you're taking an taking a step of faith and you're putting that uh, desire in your heart into action. So here is a man who says I not only I long for this, I also pray for this. I work hard towards this. This is my longing and this is my prayer that the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, my people group, my people that don't know about the real Messiah, the only Messiah, that they will be saved. Amen. This season, I pray that some of you who have been working really hard, that God will give you a passion for what you're working yeah, you cannot work without passion. You cannot serve God without passion. May, may your heart burn for the things that God wants you to do. And some of you who have a great burning in your heart, may you be able to put it into action. We cannot be on either extremes. We cannot only act or only have desire. We need both. We need longing and we need prayer. He says, this is my longing and this is my prayer. Verse 2, he says, I know what enthusiasm these guys have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. He's, he's talking about the nation of Israel and he says, these guys, they have enthusiasm. They are, they are on fire for God. They have uh, memorized scripture. You know, by the time a Jewish boy reaches the age of 12, they have memorized the whole Torah they know the torah inside out they are taught the torah when they are going out they are coming in they're constantly reminded the first 5 books of the bible that we read about today it's the, these these jewish people they they have they know it inside out by the time they they are in their teens so these these guys they have zeal they have passion they have a lot of, uh, they they, they have fire for God, they they are radicals, they are willing to even if necessary kill people for that sake, you know, because they, they were radicalized people, okay, and yet Paul says, yes, they have enthusiasm, but their zeal, their enthusiasm, their passion is misdirected, what a failure. What a failure. The other translations would say that the zeal is not based on understanding, on knowledge. They, they, they know scriptures, but they don't know scriptures. They are, they are believers. They, they call themselves Jews. They, they call themselves God's people, and yet they don't know God. They don't have understanding. They don't have knowledge about what they should be doing and what they should not be doing. Their zeal they say is misdirected misdirected. my heart, my prayer is that that we should be on fire for God, but not at the cost of our zeal being misdirected. if you're going to be very intentional about praying and praying and praying and you know you're on fire for God you're led by the Spirit, but if you don't understand, if you have no uh, enlightenment on what God is doing in this season what God is speaking. If you are not reading your bible properly, regularly, intentionally with an open heart, with wisdom, with understanding, then it's misdirected zeal. Because these guys they did read bible. These guys they knew the bible, memorized it. They had memorized the bible and yet it was misdirected because they didn't have understanding. May we have understanding. May we have direction for our zeal. May we have direction for our passion. So that we wouldn't waste 20 years doing something that we realize after 20 years, oh my God, all of it was in vain. You know, the psalmist said it like this. Unless the Lord would build the house, the builders, they work really hard, but they work in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen, they will really... They do their best, but the, the work would turn out to be useless. And that's the statement, that's the testimony about the nation of Israel. Why? For Paul is explaining that in the next verse, verse 3. For they don't understand. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. They don't understand it. They refuse to accept God's way and instead they cling to their own way of getting right with God and how what is their own way of getting right with God it is to keep the law to to try and maintain make sure that all the commandments in the law is obeyed and and kept to the end and they're trying to please God with their obedience they're trying to please God in their own ability they're trying to please God in their own flesh they are trying to please God based on what uh, you know, they have done in the, in the natural, in the physical. Do you remember last Sunday we discussed about Abraham giving birth to uh, Ishmael and giving birth to Isaac. Isaac was God's plan. Ishmael was not God's plan. Ishmael was what they did, what Abraham did on his own. And he in fact hoped that God would be happy about it. Because God was putting pressure on this guy, you know, every day he'll come and say, you'll be a father of nations, you'll be a father of nations. Now Abraham is, in a, is under tremendous pressure. All this while, Abraham didn't mind being childless. But now that God has been saying he'll be a father of nations, now he's like, I have to somehow make this prophecy come to pass. I have to really work hard to please God, you know. I hope that me giving birth to Ishmael will please God. And in fact, he prayed. Oh, that Ishmael will prosper under your hand. But God said, no, that's not what I was looking for. And that's what the nation of Israel did. They didn't understand God's way of making people right. The other translations would say they were ignorant of the righteousness of God. They were unaware, unknowledgeable about the righteousness of God. Instead, what they did did is they tried to attain their own righteousness by keeping the law. They did not submit to the righteousness of God. You know, if you and I, if we want to please God, rather than trying to please God with our purity and our holiness, can we submit to the righteousness of God? I, I love the this translation that says that they did not submit to the righteousness of God. See, when you submit to the righteousness of God, then it just naturally, easily just flows through you. Then you don't have to like fast and pray for 40 days so you can be righteous you don't have to stand you know on your head trying to make sure that things in your life are aligned no you just have to submit to the righteousness of god verse 4 are you ready for verse 4 this is an exciting verse read verse 4 with me it says for christ has already somebody said already. already for christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. And as a result, all who believe in Him are made right with God. This is how you submit to the righteousness of God. You believe that Christ has accomplished it all. Christ has finished it all. You know, the other translation would say, the culmination of the law was in Christ. Or the end of the law was in Jesus. The end of the law. In meaning to say that the purpose with which the law was given on Mount Sinai to Moses. For generations, these guys have been trying so hard to, to reach that place where they fulfill the law. They do everything that there is in the law. And yet the Bible says none of them were able to do it. But there was one who was able to do it. There was one who was able to keep the law beginning to end. And that was Jesus himself. The purpose of the law was It culminated it was accomplished in Christ Jesus now what do we have to do do we have to now you know take our own cars and you know try and be fast no we just have to sit in the car that Jesus drove because we know that Jesus knows how to win this game he has already won the game now when we sit in his car we are already more than conquerors we are already victors we are already the ones that have reached where Jesus has reached. He says, as a result, all who believe in him, all who trust in him, all who would rely on him, they are made right with God. Verse five, it says, for Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God, it requires obedience to all its commands. This is what Moses requires. You cannot just obey one commandment. You know, there are some who will just cling to one or two. But God's word says, if you want to uh, please God by law, you have to do everything. But the Bible says, if you, if you can't keep everything, you can't keep it at all. If you can't keep it from the beginning to the end, then it's, it's no point. This, this is, it's not possible for you and me to keep the law because this is a righteousness that is based on the law. But we, this, this is not going to help us. This is not going to bless us. This is not going to do anything good for uh, believers. But this is what we can do. But that was the way of Moses, right? But this is the way of faith. Everybody say, this is the way of faith. It says, But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, Who will go up to heaven? That is to bring Christ down to earth. Yeah, I I understand. This is a little confusing, but I'll explain it to you. What is Moses saying? Moses is saying, you have to do everything, beginning to the end. You have to keep all the nitty gritties, everything, only when you obey every single one of it, only then you are uh, keeping the law. Only then you are righteous according to the law. But this is the way of faith. The way of faith is, that we do not say this who will go up into heavens to bring Christ down so when we read Romans chapter 10 we will find that Apostle Paul he's quoting as many scriptures as possible that he could remember you know Romans chapter 10 I think has the most amount of verses from the Old Testament quoted in a single chapter okay Let's read where he is speaking up this scripture from, okay? Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 11 onwards. This is Moses speaking in the Old Testament when he has received a word from the Lord when he has understood what God wants them to do. He's speaking. He says, "This command I am giving you today there is and it is not too difficult for you and it is not beyond what is not beyond your reach? The command, the word, the, the instruction that I'm giving you, that is not too difficult and it is not beyond your reach. The next verse, verse 12, he says, It is not kept in heaven so distant that you might ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? who is saying this? Moses is saying this, you know, the people in that time they didn't understand what this was about Paul would explain that to us in Romans chapter 10 and he's saying it is about Christ coming down Did you understand? Did you read the previous verse? He says Paul says don't say who will go up to heaven as to bring Christ down What was Moses talking about? He was talking about the instruction the command or the word from God He was saying, you don't have to go up to heaven to bring it down. You know, and now Apostle Paul is saying, hey, that is fulfilled in Jesus. Because Jesus has already come down from heaven. He already came down. So you don't have to go up to bring him down. The next verse, he says, it is not kept beyond the sea. So far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us? so that we can hear it and obey. The other translations would say, who will go into the depths of the sea, into Sheol to bring that for us, so we can hear it and obey. And apostle Paul would mention the same thing and say, hey, don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back from the dead. Paul is equating what Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 30 to the ascension or the, Uh, incarnation of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? What did Moses say? Moses said, don't say who will go up to heaven to bring this down and who will go into the depths to bring this up. Paul says, hey, you should not say, this is faith's way, not the way of the law. This is the way of faith. That you should not say, I wish that something will come from heaven. I wish that God would send some blessing for me from heaven. Don't wait for something to come down from. This is faith's way. Okay? The way of righteousness, the, the old way is saying, okay, I wish God would do something. But the way of faith is that we should not expect something to come from heaven, nor should you expect something to come from the grave. Uh, you know, there was this man who, who prayed, who said, I only wish that somebody would rise from the dead and go and preach to my brother's so that they can be saved but the Bible says don't pray for that because Jesus is already resurrected the best proof of heaven the best proof of Christianity is in the resurrection of Jesus okay let's go on to read what Moses is saying the next line the next verse he says no the message is very is very close at hand the instruction the word the blessing its very close at hand it's not in heaven it's not in the depths of the sea. It is very close. It's very near to you. Where is it? It is on, come on, read it loudly. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey. it. But technically speaking, this is not valid for Old Testament guys because the law was not written on their heart. The law was written in, on tablets of stone. But for the New Testament church, you and I, when we receive Jesus in our heart, something changed. Because now we have the law written on, in our hearts. So now Moses is predicting this back in the Old Testament and he says, don't say who will go up to heaven and bring it down. Don't say who will go down into the depths and bring it up. Because this word, this blessing, whatever you need for life, it is close at hand. Where is it found? It is found on your lips and it is found in your heart. So the next time you come to pray, don't look up to heaven for something, some fire to come down from heaven. Because fire resides on the inside of you. Don't expect a river to flow from heaven and come down. No, no, no. The rivers will flow out of where? From you. He has put that on the inside of you. This is the work that Jesus did with transforming you. Okay, this is Moses saying He's saying, no, the message is very close at hand It is right on your lips Moses is not even saying it is on my lips You know, every time you need blessing You want to come and make me speak No, 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 he's saying it's on your lips On your lips Whatever you speak And whatever you believe in your heart Whatever you have in your heart That is what will happen to you The next verse he says, Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, prosperity and. So Moses gave them this option. He's saying, You have the option to choose between life and death, or to choose between prosperity and disaster. And God is not the one who will give you this prosperity. It is what you do with your lips and what you do with your heart that is going to give you this prosperity. If you're hoping that life or death, you know, it is not God who is going to give you life. It is what you do with your words and what you do with your heart that will give you life. (laughs) We may have to change the way we pray, guys. Instead of saying, God, please come down and do something for me. We may have to change the way we pray and say, God, I hope that I will begin to believe what you, what, you, what you have said in your word, that my heart will begin to trust in you, that my lips will begin to confess what you have already said and what you have already given me. Your breakthrough lies on, in your lips and in your heart. This, this gospel is not far away. Come on, church, I want you to understand this. This gospel is not far away. This gospel is very near to you. See, the Old Testament guys couldn't say that because Jesus had not yet come down. Even the apostles couldn't say that because Jesus had not yet come up out of the grave, you know, before his resurrection. Even the apostles couldn't say that. But now you and I, we can say boldly, this gospel, it is near to me. I have proximity with this gospel. This gospel is on my lips and in my heart. Whatever I speak with my mouth and whatever I believe in my heart will come to pass in Jesus' name. If it is life, then life will come to pass. If it is death, then death will come to pass. If it is prosperity, then prosperity will come to pass. And if it is disaster, then disaster. So that is why you have to guard your heart and you have to guard your tongues. If you get this two right, trust me, you don't need your pastor. Seriously, to be blessed. I'm talking about prosperity. I'm talking about riches. If you can get these two things right, if you can get your conversations correct, and if you can get the meditation of your heart correct, then you will do well. You will have life and you will have prosperity. That's what it says. Now let's go back to what Apostle Paul was saying. Back to Romans chapter 10 and verse 6. Let's read it one more time. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? Who will go up to heaven? Don't say that. Don't say who will pray for me. Don't say who is going to now bring this healing, bring this miracle, bring this... Breakthrough for me. Don't say that. In verse 7, he says, Don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. We can't do that. We can't hope that something, somebody will come back from dead, somebody will come back from our ancestors. No, we have Jesus and he is enough. We don't, nobody needs to go back into your past and, and, and undo things because Jesus has come back From the dead. Amen. Verse 8. It says, in fact, it says the message is very close at hand. Paul is saying the same thing. He's saying the message is very close at hand. Where is it? It is on your lips and in your heart. And this and that message is a very message about faith that we preach. Paul is saying this is faith's way. What was the way of Moses? That you do every single thing Right you, you start from Genesis And you finish with Deuteronomy You make sure you obey every single thing You miss one of it You've messed up in everything But what is faith's way? Faith's way says I'm going to confess And I'm going to believe I'm going to say something with my mouth And I'm going to believe that in my heart This message is very close at hand You know when Moses was speaking about it, he said this message, the word, the instructions, right? And Paul would use Jesus in that place, meaning to say that Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the greatest blessing of God and he has come down from heaven to us. And that's exactly what he meant in Romans 8 verse 32 when he says, if the father did not even spare his only son, but gave him up for us, will he not give us everything else? If, if Jesus is given to us, will he not give us a good life partner? If Jesus is given to us, will he not give us all of our resources that we need to live on earth? If Jesus is given to us, will he not give us absolutely everything else? So it's not far away. Your breakthrough is not in heaven. Your breakthrough is not bonded in, uh, in, in, in hell. Where is your breakthrough? Your breakthrough is on your lips. Your breakthrough is in your heart. It is close at hand. This gospel is proximi- there is a proximity of this gospel to you. It is close at hand. It is near to you. What you speak with your lips and what you believe in your heart will become your portion. Then Paul goes on to explain. He gives us this phenomenal statement. And we only read this one verse when we, had, when we want to read it. We forget the context. We only read this one verse. And it is this, verse 9. Read it with me. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you, do you remember this verse? If you don't know this verse, you may not be a Christian. This is like the foundational words that people teach somebody before we baptize them. You have to believe in your heart and you have to confess with your mouth. Paul is giving us an explanation and an example of how we can be saved. He's saying you have to believe this in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you have to confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life. And that belief, and that confession together will work together for your eternal salvation. So if that is how you get saved, how will you receive everything else? How will you receive all the other blessings? If this is how you experience eternal life, how will you experience, you know, the, the uh, blessing of spiritual gifts? By the way you confess and the things you believe in your heart. How will you receive relational blessings? By the way you confess and by the belief that you have in your heart. How will you experience financial blessings? By the way you confess and by the belief in your heart. Your breakthrough is not hidden in heaven. Your breakthrough is not hidden under the earth. Your breakthrough is on your lips and in your heart. The biggest, biggest breakthrough you and I need is a breakthrough from this world into the next world. Is from... Hell to heaven. And that happens because what we confess and what we believe. How how will everything else come to us in the same manner? By what we confess and by what we believe. It is on your lips and in your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, it's on your lips and in your heart. Look at another neighbor and say, it's on your lips too and in your heart too. Look at, find another neighbor and ask them. Don't look for it in your ATM. It's in your lips and in your heart. <laughs> don't look for it in your cell phone. It is all in your heart and in your lips. Yeah. You don't, you don't need assurance from outside. You, you, you need to assure yourself. You need to change the way that you believe about yourself. You need to change the way that the confessions come out of your mouth. Amen? Then he, he explains in the further verses it's in verse 10 it says for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God if you have to be justified if you have to be you know in that place where your where your sins are wiped away it happens when you believe in your heart okay any sin that you have any struggle that you have if you don't believe that Jesus has forgiven you then He has not forgiven you. But if you believe that He has forgiven you, then He has forgiven you. That is what it says. It is by believing in your heart that you are justified. Without justification, we cannot stand before God. You remember that? Romans chapter 5, we studied that in detail. Without justification, we cannot have a relationship with God. And it says here, it is by believing in our heart. What we believe in our heart. If we believe that our God is good, if we believe that our God is a loving God, if we believe that our God is a forgiving God, then we will experience the resulting justification. We will experience righteousness. We will experience the, the guilt of sin and the guilt of uh, you know, shame. All of that being wiped away and we are made acceptable before God. Our belief in our heart. What do you believe in your heart? That is why the enemy is going to constantly keep telling you things that you're not worthy enough, that you're not good enough, that you're in bondage, that somebody has stolen from you, somebody has uh, taken it away from you, and you're looking for that person to bring it back to you. Whereas God is saying, no, it's in your lips and in your heart. And, And God is saying, if you will just believe with all your heart, if you will just trust what God is said, what God has done, what Christ has accomplished, then that will be your portion. Somebody said an amen. Amen. And he says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So there are two elements to it. Like I said, there has to be a desire and there has to be a prayer. So there has to be something on the inside and there has to be something on the outside. On the inside you believe in your heart Yes, this is true about me But on the outside you need to openly declare it out You have to to confess what Jesus has done for you In the book of Revelation it says We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and, And by the word of our testimony Why is the blood of the Lamb not enough? Why is Jesus and me not enough? Why is it necessary that I be in community where others can understand my confession and they can agree with my confession? Why is that necessary? You know, so many people will falsely teach you that you don't need a church. So many people, they'll tell you, hey, come on, why, why do you need? It? You have Jesus, no? But here it says, no, you need people around you before whom you can openly declare what you believe in your heart. Before whom who can affirm it, who can confirm it with you, who can agree with you. They can take you to the waters of baptism. If it is salvation, then they can take you to water and they can affirm, confirm your salvation by dipping you into the water and bringing you out. What are they doing? They're confirming your open declaration about your love for the Lord. So your belief inside your heart is not enough. He says, by believing in your heart, yes, you do get justified. Yes, you, you, yes, your sins are wiped away. Yes, your guilt is taken away. But by openly declaring. So in this season, I'm, I'm praying that every shyness will be taken away in this church. Everything that is stopping you from, from making your testimony public, from making what God is doing in your life public, let that be taken away. May, may your confession, may your belief be made public. And sometimes, especially when you, when you openly declare what you believe in your heart, your pastor may have to come and, can, come and uh, you know, correct you because your belief may not be right. Yeah, because sometimes what we do is we just believe something and we just keep it to ourselves. We don't share it with anybody. We don't talk about it. And then we eventually land up in something really messy. And... When we bring it out, your father, your pastor, they they can correct you. You know, we know the story of prodigal son, right? The elder brother, he came to the father and said, all this while, I was with you and you did not give me anything. He brought out what was in his heart. And that was a lie. That was false. And the father had to correct him. No, son, all that I have is, is yours. You just have to, you just have to, you know, believe. So when when that testimony came out, what was his testimony? His testimony was that his father doesn't care for him. His testimony was that the father loves the younger son more than the elder. When the testimony came out, the father had the opportunity to correct that testimony. So it is necessary that we remain in community where our belief systems can be molded, can be changed, can be uh, you know edified. Every passing week, let's read it one more time. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith, openly confessing your faith, openly practicing your faith that you are saved. So it is not enough for salvation that you believe in your heart, it is necessary that you also openly declare. Baptism is one of those ways by which you declare before the church that I love Jesus. So if you believe in Jesus and you have not declared your love for Jesus openly, make that decision now. Before it's too late, make that decision now because both are necessary. If you've only done outward things but you've not, there is no belief in your heart, then you need to fix that first. All that you do on the outside, let's say that you got baptized at the age of 25 but there was no belief in your heart, you didn't really believe that Jesus saved you from your sins, then that baptism is just a dip in the pool. Yeah. That, that baptism has n- did no good to you. Some of us, we, we don't believe in child baptism. We believe in adult baptism, right? When I'm 18, I have to somehow go into... No, just, just the actions don't make any sense if there is no belief system behind that action. So, when there is a belief system, some of us, we, we put offering out of obligation and it will do you no good. Trust me when I say this. If, if you're putting offering, if you're giving tithes out of an obligation, it's better that you use that for, you know, yourself. You go have a nice meal in KFC. Don't put it in church because it's not going to do you any good. Your belief has to be in the right place and then when you act on it, that will become a blessing to you. If you, if you believe that Jesus has truly saved you from your sin, then you need to get baptized. Then you need to go all the way and you need to say, Lord, here I am. I, I declare my love for you. I accept that you are my Lord. I accept that you are my King. I accept uh, my life belongs only and only to you. Because it is by believing and by declaring that you are saved. Verse 11 says, as the scriptures say, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. This is taken from Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. Like I told you, Paul is going to quote so many verses from the Old Testament in this chapter. And he's saying, as the scriptures tell us, he's not preaching a gospel that is not there already. He's preaching a gospel based on God's word. See, the People who read the law written by Moses, they didn't understand it because Jesus had not yet been revealed to them. Jesus had not yet manifested. Now that Jesus came in person, Paul was able to point everything in Scripture back to Jesus. What Moses wrote, what the prophets wrote, what, you know, these psalmists wrote, everything. Paul is saying, this is speaking about Jesus. This is pointing towards the Messiah, this is pointing towards Christ who came, who, who was resurrected. This is all speaking about Jesus. But you read the Old Testament, there is no mention about Jesus. But the whole of Scripture, from beginning to end, it points to the one person, Jesus. And if our gospel is devoid of our dependence on God's word, then that is a misdirected zeal. If we have a belief system, if we have, if we If we have faith that is not based on God's word, then that is misdirected zeal. That is a zeal that will do us no good. And that's why Paul keeps going back to the scriptures and says, as the scriptures tell us, Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. They will never be put to shame. They will never be disappointed. They will never have to hang their head down in shame. They will never have to regret any decisions of their life. Those who put their trust in Jesus, they will have no loss. Once you are in Christ Jesus, there is no loss for you. No matter what happens in the world around you, no matter what happens in your relationships, no matter what happens in your finances, you, you are above all of it. There is no loss in your life. You don't lose anything. Even when it looks like you lost something, you have not lost it. Because the Bible says, those who trust in Him will never be disgraced. They will never be disappointed. So those of us in this morning service who have come to church, believing that, You know, your life is a life of shame. Believing that you're living in guilt. Believing that there's nothing good that will come out of you anymore. The Lord is saying, you just need to trust in me. Because if you trust in me, you will never be disgraced. That is our portion. Verse 12, it says, Jews and Gentiles are the same in this aspect. You know, nobody gets special preference here. Everybody. They, they have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Generously. The other translations would use the word richly, who gives richly, who, who you know, he richly blesses, he, he, he bestows his riches on them. He, he, he's abounding in riches towards those who call on him, to those who call on him. Is this a church that calls on him? Is your family a family that trusts in him? There are many things we can put our trust in. There are many human institutions that we can run to. But if you will run to Jesus, I'm telling you, you will never be put to shame. Not only will he not allow you to be put to shame, but he will generously. It says he gives generously. Everything that you need, he gives richly. In the physical realm, in the spiritual realm, in the, in, in, in the mental realm, in the emotional realm, he gives generously. When he gives peace, that peace is above understanding. That peace is something that your mind cannot reason with. When he gives you money, it is beyond your wildest imagination. It is is according to his riches in glory. When he takes care of your needs, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whether it be relational, it is according to his riches in glory. But the question is, are we willing to trust in him? Are we willing to uh, put our faith in Him? Are we willing to put our, uh, you know, belief in Him? If we are a church that will rely on Him, if we are a church that will adhere to Him, if we are a church that will, uh, will cling to Him with everything, then we will see a result. We will see the answer. We will see the manifestation of everything that God has promised for us. Amen? For everyone, verse 13, read it with me. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is Joel chapter 3, verse 2, verse 32. He's quoting the Old Testament. He's saying, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, every single one who calls on the name of Jesus, they will be saved. Everyone. All of our blessings are hidden in Jesus. Because Jesus is the culmination of the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus is the, in Jesus, the purpose of the law has been fully accomplished. So if you trust in Jesus, we will be saved. Verse 14. Now, here onwards, Paul is redirecting the question to the saved people. And he's giving them an assignment. And I hope that some of us will catch this assignment. He says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So now, Paul is not saying you will be saved. Paul is saying they will be saved. Paul is now pointing the church to the people outside the church and he says, Hey, these guys that need to be saved, how can they be saved if they don't believe in him? How can they call on him? See, This prayer that you pray, your actions on the outside, all of that has to come from a belief on the inside, right? I taught you that. Yes, no, maybe. Yeah, already. The whole morning, that's what I've been saying. How can you call on Him if you don't believe? Because you're calling on Him without belief will do you no good. Yeah? So Paul says, how can they call on Him if they don't believe in Him? The next line, he says, and how can they... Believe in Him if they have not heard about Him. So everything that we believe, we have heard it somewhere or the other. Someone or the other has spoken that to us, whether it be good things or bad things. We have heard it you know, in our childhood, our parents believing this about themselves, or we have heard it in the television, or we have heard it in a church, or we have heard it with, with, between our friend circle. Everything that you believe, you've heard it somewhere. It is not an original thought. You've heard it somewhere. For Adam and Eve, they heard it from a serpent. Their source where they heard their information from was wrong, because of which they had a wrong belief system, because of which their actions got corrupted. So what you hear is going to consecutively uh, change what you believe, And what you believe is going to change how you act. Okay? So what he, what he saying? How can they call on him if they don't believe? And how can they believe if they have not heard about him? The next line. But how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Unless someone, the other translation would say, unless someone would preach to them. Unless someone would... Share with them. Somebody said, I am that someone. Pray this. Make me that someone, Lord. Make me that someone. Yeah. We cannot be a church that is only praying for uh, the world to be saved. We have to be the church that is becoming that someone that tells them that, that, is, that is working hard to preach the gospel day in and day out. Every day. You know, there's Bibles that are available for you to take home. Now we have Bibles in different languages. If some of you want to give these Bibles in uh, Kannada, Tamil, Hindi, you can pick up those Bibles from there. You, know? you can uh, use these Bibles to start a conversation. Give it to somebody and, and tell them the good news that is being taught to you over this last 10 sessions you know, in the book of Romans. Why am I teaching you the good news? It is so that you don't, you don't teach a false gospel. That your zeal for the Lord will not be misdirected. So that you you teach, you preach the correct thing to the people that you meet. And what should you tell them? You should tell them, hey, everything is, all the requirements of a good life is met in Jesus. Now, if you will put your faith in Jesus, now if you will believe that in your heart, and if you will confess that with your mouth, if you will come join our family, you know, be in a community, then you will be saved. You're teaching them. You're teaching them God's word. And, and he says, how can somebody hear about this Jesus, hear about this gospel, hear about this good news, unless someone preaches to them, unless someone tells them. Verse 15, he says, And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This morning, I'm here to send you. This morning, I'm not here to just, you know, release a blessing over you and say, don't worry, everything will be alright in your life. I'm not just here to uh, put put diapers on you and send you out. No, I'm here to send you out with this message. So that you can be sent and wherever you are sent, you can speak and wherever you speak, somebody can hear and wherever they hear, they can believe and wherever they believe, they can Now call on to God and they can be saved. Because anybody that calls on the name of the Lord, Jew or Gentile, they will be saved. They will not be put to shame. They will not be disgraced. Our gospel works. This good news, it works. All you and I need to do is to be sent out of this place. So tomorrow when you go back to work, you're not going because you have to go. You're going because you're sent. When you go back to your homes when you when you call your unbelieving parents or unbelieving children or unbelieving spouses or whenever you go out for a meal you're not going because you want to uh, just go and please them no you're going because you're being sent you're on assignment you're on a mission there is a there is a call of god over each and every one of our lives and this morning i unleash that call of god over your life i unleash the assignments over your life I unleash the plans and the purposes of God for your life so that this week you will be a preacher of the gospel. That wherever you preach, people will put their trust and their faith in Jesus. And somebody said a loud amen. That is why the scriptures say, this is from Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7. I told you Paul is quoting scriptures, right? He says, that is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Wow. I know that, you know, nice, pretty shoes are covering your feet. But in the spirit, God says, if you are a preacher of good news, your feet are beautiful. Because when you come into a place that you're just, you're coming into that environment carries a blessing. How beautiful is the feet of those who carries good news. Not the ones that carry gossip. Not the ones that are carrying the latest news of what is happening in, uh, you know, in, in somebody else's life. No, the ones who carry good news. When you find good people coming into your house, you can go and wash their feet because their feet is already beautiful. You can You can love them. You can serve them. Why? Because their feet is beautiful. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news because they... Where they are not coming because they want to come to your house. They are coming because they are sent to your house. You are not going because you, uh, you know, are getting any benefit out of it. You are going because you're, you have an assignment. You are sent to go. And when you are sent, your feet will be beautiful. When you are sent, everything that you have, oh, I'm telling you, it is going to be attractive in the spirit realm. In the natural realm, you may be wearing a toned shoe. I don't want you to but you may be sometimes not wearing the perfect shoe size. Sometimes you you're in the natural it may look like you don't have enough. But the Lord says, guess what? Your feet are beautiful. Your feet are beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And that is why Apostle Paul would say in Romans chapter 6. He says, "Hey, you need to put on the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness the belt of truth the shield of faith and, and and shoes of what gospel the shoes of readiness for gospel that is a weapon guys you being aware of your assignment into people's lives that is your weapon that is what you use to fight the works of darkness. Don't just think that I will, I will just pray out of this mess. No, no, no. Some messes you have to preach into that mess. Some messes you have to go and declare what God is speaking, what God is saying. And those messes will automatically clear out. Some messes you have to go and use the lips and use the heart that God has given you. And those messes will align up to the plans and the purposes of God for your life. And and some of us we are thinking no 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 I I I I don't think this is my call, and we leave the shoes aside, and then we are wondering why are why are our feet hurting? And then we are wondering why are we getting tired? We're getting why are we, uh, why am I becoming so weary? Why why is my feet not carrying me into my destination? You know you know the story of Elijah. He says Elijah after he finished the assignment that God has given him, you know what he did? He ran ahead of Ahab's chariot. This was a man who did what God wanted him to do. And he had the strength. In the natural, that doesn't make sense because Elijah has just, you know, been in, in a season of drought. You know, if you, if you read the context, you would see that Ahab, he, he went up the mountain in a chariot. He came down from the mountain in a chariot. When he was on the mountain, Elijah goes and tells Ahab, it's time for you to rise up and eat. And so Ahab was eating the meal when, it, when Elijah came and told him the rain is coming. But Elijah didn't eat anything. Elijah is the hungry guy. But guess what? Elijah runs ahead of Ahab. Because Elijah is the one who is wearing the gospel, the, the, the scent feet, the scent shoes. He has the shoes that resemble his assignment. He has the shoes that has accomplished what God has assigned him to do. So your assignment is your protection, church. Amen. Your assignment is your protection. Amen. You know, my father, he's been sharing this in the season, how Aaron, the day that he took off his robe, he died. Why? Because his assignment was being the priest. The day that he took off that assignment, that robe, it, it represented an assignment in his life. The day that he took of his assignment, he died. Some of us are alive just because we are doing the right thing. Not because the enemy doesn't want to kill you. It's because you're just doing the right thing in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the troubles, you're still doing the right thing. That is why you, you don't even know some of the attacks that are coming against your life. But because you are aligned to your assignment, your, your feet it is it it is covered with the gospel of peace and now now that that shoes it is working for your benefit it is helping you run it is helping you flee the chariots flee the weapons of the enemy i love the word that pastor robin preached on weapons a couple of sundays back how many of you remember that it is necessary that the church learns to use their weapons and preaching the gospel is a weapon You know, knowing your assignment in other people's lives is a weapon. And when you do that, the enemy cannot defeat you. The enemy cannot take you down in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout a loud amen to that. Verse 16, it says, but not everyone welcomes the good news. Isn't that the sad thing? But not everybody that you preach the gospel to will give you an offering. Not everybody will say, wow. Wow. I was waiting for this. Some of them, they will welcome you. Others, they will pour water on you. It's okay. Not everybody welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So verse 17, he says, So faith, it comes from hearing and hearing the good news about... That is how faith comes. See, your job is not to convince people. Your job is to preach the good news. Romans 10, 17 from the Amplified Bible says, so faith, it comes from hearing what is told and what is heard uh, comes by the preaching of the message concerning Christ. Sometimes we think that it is just about faith just comes by hear, hearing audio Bible, you know, yes hearing audio Bible will work. But this is what it means. He says, so faith, it comes from hearing what is told. So some of us, if you have lack of faith, you need to be around people who are telling you some real truths. You need to just, you know, tune into the morning cloud services and, and, and listen to the truths that are being spoken over your life. And he says, and what is heard, it comes by the preaching of the message concerning Christ. Every message that is pointing people to Jesus, that is pushing people to fall in love with Jesus, will produce faith, will produce results. When we, write, when, when we direct people to blessings, it may not necessarily produce results. But when we direct people to Jesus, He says this, what is heard, it comes by the preaching of the message that is concerning Christ. When we preach, when we sing, when we talk, if we if we can point people to Jesus, that is going to birth faith in them. If you're wondering what to do so your your children can have faith in them, just sing about Jesus in your house. Talk about Jesus in your house. Direct your children to God. Direct your children to God's Word. And automatically, they will begin to believe things that you've, you've not even thought how to teach them to believe those things. It says, so faith, it comes from hearing what is told and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message concerning Christ. So dear church, don't be upset when somebody doesn't welcome this good news. Because some people, they will welcome, some people, they will not welcome. But what do you do? You continue to preach. You continue to talk. You continue to share. You continue to sow the seed. You continue to pray and nourish and water what God has given you. Amen? Amen. Verse 18, let's quickly conclude. It says, but I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. Yes, they have. They have heard the message because the message, it says in Psalm 19, verse 4, it says that, the message has gone through the earth and the words to, the, to all the world, the message, the, the gospel has actually gone to the ends of the earth. Here it says, you know, Paul is asking about the nation of Israel. Have they actually heard the message? Why is it that they don't have faith? Have they heard the message? Yes, they have. Even when they didn't have somebody physically preaching the gospel to them, they've had the nature speaking the gospel to them. If you read the context in Psalm 19 and verse 4 uh, he Paul is saying uh, the psalmist David is saying the heavens declare the glory of God. So if you live on the heavens you've been preached the gospel to. That's what it says the heavens preach the gospel the heavens declare the glory of God. And he says yes they have heard the gospel because the message have gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. Verse 19. But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand? He says, yes, they did understand. Yes, they did understand and yet they refused to submit to it. If you don't understand, it's a different thing. But these guys, they did understand. Because it says, for even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. By, by these Gentiles coming to the Lord, is, the Bible says that that is a sign for the Jews. That is a sign for the Israelites that, that they have, uh, you know, if Gentiles can understand the gospel, that even Jews can understand the gospel. He's saying, hey, this is what God is doing. By bringing Gentiles to the Lord, God is causing Israel to be jealous. God is causing Israel to uh, want to come back to their first love, to come back to their first devotion, their desire for God. Verse 20, And later Isaiah spoke boldly for God, saying, I was found by people who were not even looking for me. I showed myself to those who are not even... Who is this speaking about? You and me. The Gentiles, the Jews... For thousands of years, they were seeking God. Did they find him? No. Why? Because they tried in their own works. But here is the Gentiles who found him without even searching for him, without even having a temple, without even having all the sacrifices and all the Torah. Why? We heard that last Sunday because God had mercy on us. Because God wanted to show us off as an example to His people, the Israelites. God wanted to rouse their jealousy and God wanted to tell them, hey, if, if you can also hear and understand and believe and trust in this, you will experience the same breakthrough that I am willing to give to you. Wow. It says, verse 21, but regarding Israel, God said, all day long, I opened my arms to them But what did they do? They were disobedient and what did they do? They were rebellious. They were disobedient and they were rebellious. Now, you know, the context that Paul is trying to give us is that this was a nation who tried so hard to submit to God, who tried so hard to be obedient to God, and yet God said they were disobedient and they were rebellious. So your obedience is not calculated based on how much you're able to keep God's word. Your obedience is based on how much you can confess the right things and you can believe the right things. Because it is going to automatically flow into the rest of your body. It is going to flow into your heart. It is going to flow into your spirit. Everything, it it is based on how much you can confess with your mouth and how much you can believe in your heart. Because if you if you have been living a life where your confessions have been absolutely opposite to what God has been speaking about you, then God's word calls you rebellious. If you've been believing things that God has not said about you, then God's word calls you disobedient. Disobedience is not when you steal money. Disobedience is... I'm not saying that is okay. Don't do that. Disobedience is not having greed or lust or anger. No, that is not disobedience. That is the result of disobedience. Disobedience is you not believing in your heart what God has done for you. Rebellious nature is not you picking up a bow and arrow and throwing it at heaven saying, I'm fighting God. No, that is not rebellious nature. Rebellious nature is you stepping out of here and saying all kinds of negative things about yourself. God looks at that and says, man, that is rebellion. Because I have given you a word and this word is very close to you. It's, it's, it's not high up in heavens. It's not in hell. It is very close to you. It is at hand. It's in your lips and in your heart. If you can believe the right things and if you can say the right things, then the Lord says you will no longer be termed disobedient and rebellious. Because this morning, I want you to picture this. I want, to, I want you to picture this verse it says, all day long I opened my arms to them. Will you believe that in your heart? That his arms are open wide for you to just come and for you to embrace him? Will you, Will you not just believe but will you openly declare? Will you now begin to confess? Will you make that your prayer? Will you act upon what you believe in your heart? Will you do something about that on the outside? Will you Will you trust in this Jesus? Will you trust in this one who has opened his arms? Who has outstretched his arms towards you? He's calling back a disobedient and a rebellious people to himself. He's saying, Will you change what you believe in your heart? Will you repent for the confession of your mouth? Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope this word has been a blessing to you. Do visit us at dreamingrevival.com. For more information, you are welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11am at youtube.com slash God bless you and have a blessed week.